and so we started a, a podcast based off the of soccer chat and um you know and and we've been able to uh to take a kind of you know i want to say around the country but really just in the midwest uh between uh, uh doing our show at united soccer coaches convention we also uh get to do some stuff with the uh, wisconsin women in soccer uh advisory council and then last year getting to work with uh nebraska state soccer as well uh hopping in on this uh, with everybody last year um you know the 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 you know, it's it's just more than a podcast and a Twitter chat. Just like Crystal said, it's a it's a community of coaches um, who are just all trying to help each other and and you know being informational and just being that that uh, that light to kind of keep pushing everybody through. Uh, and we really and I think Nick can attest to this. I think we really kind of found out what soccer chat was truly about uh, during pandemic during the lockdown. Uh, just being able to hop on Zoom calls with with coaches and then have that uh, that communication with coaches and just kind of talking and keeping everybody going, but uh, you know, Nick can kind of speak more to the volumes of, of the, the type of community uh, that we have uh, with Soccer Chat. For sure. I think the, the cool thing about it was, and like Sean said, it just started with like a small Twitter chat and it's grown a lot since then. I think um, the number one thing that I think Sean and I both kind of learned through this process is Sean and I are just about as regular guys as you could possibly be. Like, we, that's, being, us that's being really nice, too. <laughs> Yeah, we neither of us had like big playing careers. Neither of us know that many people, to be honest. And so I think what's kind of been the cool thing about this is the amount of people we've been able to meet um, from youth coaches all the way up to professional coaches. And I was I was joking with someone last like a few weeks ago, like never in my life did I think I'd be interviewing like Jay Demerit at some point. Um, and so like I think that's been the cool part is just to see like how everyone else is regular also and the big thing for Sean and I is, and Sean's much better about this, but the best advice I can give people that are going through their coaching journey right now is to like, not be afraid to just hear no, you know, go ask people a lot of questions. Don't be afraid to go up and introduce yourself to people. Because again, I, I think that's been the coolest thing is like when we get to United Soccer Coaches Convention and seeing like how like we have a friend that like idolized Randy Waldron for the longest time. And now they're like actually friends. And, but it was kind of like they met through, just like meeting us and meeting them and, and, and not that Sean and I are anything big, but it's just, I think the biggest piece of advice I can give anyone is just to not be afraid to ask questions, hear no, poke your nose around and introduce yourself to people because it's, it's a big thing. And I think the last thing too is like when you come onto the Twitter chats and stuff, it's, it's cool because you might find coaches that have similar styles to you or similar philosophies and you're able to connect with them in a way that like, again, Sean and I literally, I think oh, how many times we've we hung out in person, like 10, I guess probably a dozen at this point, but we've known each other for five years and maybe only seen each other like 12 times in person, but we're very close and we have a very close group of friends that are in that same boat that cause coaching is like, we're tied to location. So we don't always necessarily get to t see each other in person, but we can build these really good communities. I think too, the, the, the thing that we've, we've really enjoyed is just the connecting coaches. Um, you know, uh, we always kind of joke like when we see uh, somebody get a new job and they got it through, you know, somebody that they met through soccer chat, you know, we're always kind of like the proud uh, dad. And uncle. I think we're more the proud uncles uh, than the proud dads. Um, you know, perfect example um, is, is one of our, our followers, Alex Ng, who's now at the University of Maryland. Alex played football at Valparaiso University, uh, was, their, was their kicker, but was a student coach uh, for their soccer team and got involved with soccer chat made connections through it and then all of a sudden he was working at richmond um and then uh just made his way now into maryland he's just joined there right before convention uh so you know it, it's always cool to see these people um 
you know, kind of come through soccer chat, find that connection and be able to move on to, to their next, uh, their next coaching spot. I joke with uh, Chris hot Thompson from VMI all the time. Like his entire staff is all soccer chat people. Um, and, you know, at some point it would be cool for, uh, you know, for us to, to know that like every coaching staff in the country, you know, has somebody connected from soccer chat uh, just cause, I mean, again, you know, the, the way that everybody has really gravitated towards each other and we're really, we really honestly are helping each other. We have a group text where it's like, Hey, if you've got a job, post it in here and we'll share it. Um, you know, or, or, you know, if you want some type of quick interaction, there's something on your mind, uh, you know, you can ask, uh, whether it's on Twitter or, or in a, the soccer chat group text, uh, you know, and, and people are going to be able to respond pretty quickly. I just saw Joe Clary, you know, I guess shout out to Joe Clary. That's my guy. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's super fun. Uh, we really enjoy it. But, uh, you know, the thing for us is, again, you know, Soccer Chat's really kind of about that interaction. So what I would kind of like to do uh, for a little while here is just anything that's going on with you coaching-wise um, that, you know, maybe you, you, you think about it or you wonder what other coaches' thoughts are. Um, it's really just kind of like a brainstorming type thing. Uh, you know, during the, the pandemic, um, you know, I was doing Skype calls with coaches just to where like, Hey, if you need to throw an idea against the wall to see what you would think, uh, you know, I was, I was that person. So for you all kind of, you know, what's, what's going on in your coaching world, something that you're noticing and, and may, uh, may have something that you kind of want to ask everybody about. The silent class. Oh, there we go, Jeremy. What were some of the biggest things you took away from Wednesday night talking about mental health of our athletes? Man, and that's, I mean, specifically in soccer right now, such a, a massive topic uh, from this week. And obviously, you know, I think everybody here, we, we definitely want to send, send our T's and P's to uh, the Meyer family and everybody at Stanford um, and, and anyone who was, who was affected by uh, Katie's passing. You know, I, I, I think, and I know Nick will kind of attest this as well, you know, that whole day, I just kept thinking about my own players um, here. And, you know, I think as coaches, you know, that's, that's a phone call a coach never wants to have to make. Um, and, you know, I, I really liked what Bethany Boucher said. I actually sent it to a player of mine because a player of mine texted me real late at night. It was just like, coach, like I'm going through her TikTok. I'm going through her social, her social media. I just, I don't understand. Like somebody had to know, somebody had to know. And I really liked what Bethany Boucher said and said, it's okay to – always check in on your people. But the biggest thing we have to have now is the vulnerability to say, you know what, I'm not okay. Um, and I think that's the thing that if you can work with your players um, to be able to be comfortable with confiding that into someone and say, hey, you know what, you, I'm not fine. Because a lot of times people are just gonna say they're fine because they don't wanna talk about it. But I think if you can get your team um, and your players to, and coaches too. I mean, I, I talk all the time, I'm a mental health advocate, I stuff from, suffer from depression from time to time. Um, you know, I think you have to be capable of saying like, telling someone like, hey, yeah, this is how I'm feeling. Um, you know, and, and Nick, I mean, kind of what was like, what were your players' reactions? Because I think for like those of us who are coaching in college, I think that's the biggest thing is like, our players are looking at that going, oh my gosh, like that somebody on my team could be like this because they're the same age because it, it affects you differently when it's your own generation. So like, what, what kind of like were your players like? Cause I know we got a lot of high school coaches on here, club coaching and, and we got a, a college coach as well, but you know, Nick, what was, what was the reaction of your players? I think like for them, um, it, it, I, I think it was just scary uh, just because you can, 
like you, I, I watch an interview with her parents and I like, I watch an interview with um like a few of her teammates and stuff like that. And it's one of those things where it's just, it, I think the one player that I talked to about it more in depth, because our players are on spring break right now, but one of them I was just talking to, um, she just said it was scary because you never, like everything you saw about that player didn't have those vibes. Like it didn't have that vibe that she was going through something. And so I, I saw something um, the other day where someone's like, yeah, you can check in, you can check in, but like people can also just lie, you know, and that they, they could definitely like, not tell you the whole truth if they're struggling through something and so I think that that's it was just scary I think it was the number one thing is because you don't know if anyone's going through that type of stuff and so I think the more proactive we can be about doing different things to again have like more check-ins and things like that but I think that was the number one thing it was just very very scary what about you it was my my wife brought up something and I ended up passing along to my players when they were talking about it and it makes so much sense and even in my own um, experiences, which I, one day when we have a podcast, I'll probably really, I, I, I talk about it openly on the podcast, but there are definitely some like darker times that I definitely feel like at some point I, I want to shed light on. And if I can help somebody, um, help them out. But, you know, my, my wife made a comment. It, it, it just hit home to me, especially if anybody knows me. Um, you know, like Nick said, you look at these videos of Katie and you watch her performance against Carolina. I mean, oozed confidence, oozed you know, just that, that aura that you're like, man, like, I wish I was like that as a player. I wish my players were like that. And my wife said that I, that I passed on my players said a lot of times those with the biggest confidence are also the ones with the biggest demons that they have to fight. And when she said that, it just really hit home. Like I said, anybody who, who knows me, um, you know, kind of some of the things that, that I've battled uh, that, you know, you would never expect. Um, so I think that's where, you know, you got to have that, that wherewithal and that no, um, you know, kind of of your players, but also just keep that open thing. Like, I mean, once it, once it got announced, once we announced it to our players, you know, I, I told them, I said, you know, never take the opportunity not to tell your teammate that you love them and never take the opportunity not to tell them that you care about them and just, you know, just say hello to them because you never know how literally that one time that you say that one thing can change everything for them. Uh, and I know Jameson, you said you have a, a college women's team. What, what was kind of the response from, from your girls? If you don't mind sharing. Um, actually, I don't think we really talked about it much. Um, I think for us, we actually had something else going on in our team that we were really more worried about. But yeah, we just, it happens. We it happens. Yeah. So like, we haven't really addressed it. And like now talking or listening to you guys, like I, I'm thinking kind of because we're doing individual meetings um, and I have a couple of players that has said, their personal goal is to increase their or improve their mental health. So yeah. like as soon as we started talking about it, I was like, yeah, I should probably check in on those, on those few that had, uh, uh, had mentioned that. So like now probably I'm going to go back when actually we're done for our stuff of the day, but probably next week, next Monday, kind of see if any of them had heard about it and, and kind of address with uh, what they thought and uh, just, keep up with the team so i think that's kind of where i'm at with it like it's just something we haven't addressed uh wholly yeah. with our whole group but and i think i, and I think kind of i believe like taking that proactiveness you know like you're talking about doing now like hey let's bring it up because the i think the biggest issue is that um places or, or, or coaches and, and teams and not just soccer but just any sport you never really think about something until it happens to you you can see stuff in the news you can see things happening and thinking Oh, you know, like, you know, obviously you feel sorry for them and whatnot. Um, 
you know, but until it personally affects you, uh, you know, it's really hard to think about, uh, oh, Joe. Um, yeah. Can what, you hear me? Okay? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 man. Okay. Um, do you, I, do you mind, um, yeah, I can talk elaborating about on that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so fall 2020, when I was still coaching at Wayne state college, um, I had a player attempt, um, suicide and <clears throat> it was definitely, I got it. Like Sean said, it's a call that you don't want to get. And it's actually even more frightening because I didn't wake up to the first call, the first text message. So you wake up to the second one and you go like you go to where it's where it's happened and where it's going on there's always a lot of confusion and and not understanding um from roommates specifically at the time and law enforcement was involved and you know it's it's something that i think a lot of coaches care about but it is it's really something that's hard to talk about and then we learned i mean i learned over the next couple months that uh, you have to be willing to have like really hard conversations and ask really hard questions. I mean, our, our mental health counselors at the school told us like when you have someone who is in a certain spot that like you, you ask them if they're going to do something or, or harm themselves and everyone thinks, well, you're going to put the idea in their head and, and that's just not how it works. It's unfortunately the people who are going to self-harm already, they've already had that plan. But if you talk about it to them, they may vocalize it, and that may be the thing that can that can save that person. And luckily, they weren't able to. The person uh, who attempted um, is still with us, and and actually still um, competing in soccer and 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 going to college, which are That's all so awesome. bigger bigger victories than are like on top of everything. But yeah, it's like you said, it's almost you know, it's almost hard to. Um, fathom until it happens to you and then when it does happen to you and and there is I don't think we do enough to, to train the proper protocols either I mean I I'll be honest like I got ad admonished for how I uh how I handled it because the it was three in the morning and the player the police officers said we can't leave her with her roommates because she's their roommates had their roommates have been her roommates have been drinking um and so it's either like you find someone to watch her or you watch her. And I'm like, well, at three in the morning, you probably don't make the wisest decisions. And I was like, well, I, I guess I'm going to watch her because like you've honestly start, you start to feel obviously as a coach, anyone who coaches knows that you have a sense you feel like you have a sense of responsibility. And unfortunately I put myself into obviously a bad situation liability wise. And that's what the school viewed it as, but like, it's really hard as a coach to not, put yourself in that position. Um, and so like, I actually got ad admonished a little bit for that. Obviously I think they understood the school understood, but it was still, it was what, still. So what, what would they have? I mean, would they have preferred her stay with her roommates or like, what was the, uh, they, wanted me to her to the they wanted me to have her admitted and she just absolutely didn't want to be admitted. And I just, you know, unfortunately I think I caved, I, I mean, I caved to wanting to protect my player and be there for my player. And she's from, you know, not anywhere close and then it becomes all the the FERPA and the HIPAA stuff of, of, of she didn't want her parents to know and like yeah in and you know talking to our school like I wasn't allowed to share that information and it's it's a and she shared it eventually with her parents herself and but it was yeah it was definitely a tough tough time it's and and I think that 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 goes back to it though is like 
you, you could say check in, check in, check in, but I think until the resources and the training are provided to not just our coaches, but to our student athletes, like we're, we're fighting a, a, a pretty tough battle when it comes to mental, mental health and absolutely and the stress that our student athletes face every day. Yeah, I think and that's such a good point, Joe. I think the, the difficult thing, because I actually had a player um, back in 2018 um, also try to commit suicide. And I remember I was at the hospital with her and like, and yeah, it was one of those things where you just like nothing we do, like we're not trained to do this. So like as, as a coach, like a kid could come and say all these things to you in your office and, and stuff like that. And obviously we're mandated reporters and things like that. And you can pass it along. But like if a person's trying to talk through something, it's hard because like, I don't know what to say. Like, it, like you can be there for him, but at the end of the day, like I, like it, I, it's hard to know exactly what to say. So I think it, I think that's the the thing that I wish there was more of um, at our schools and in our, like in the, just the soccer community is more training for coaches of like how to maybe deal with these different types of situations because we don't have that training. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, go ahead, Joe. Um, I just to answer Jeremy's question. I mean, to be honest, we have been, unfortunately the call that I got, it wasn't a surprise that not I shouldn't say it wasn't a surprise, but it was this player had been very open with me and we had actually gotten her, we had taken the steps to get her to counseling and get her actually medical professional help beforehand. So she was she was being seen by a doctor and on medication and all that stuff. Um, and I had always been pretty open, similar to how Sean said, like open with my own struggles, uh, mine pertaining more to anxiety. And I actually spoke to the whole Wayne State athlete student body of all student athletes, which was pretty anxiety causing in itself to speak to 300 athletes about my the, own. The biggest anxiety is talking about your anxiety. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's what we did. I would say um, the athletic department, honestly, just they, they tried to support and, and, you know, get us to, to use the counseling services there. And, um, my athletic trainer was a super big support. Um, she actually got me to, you know, luckily through our college, we have uh, employee, like some employee benefits where you can get five free um, sessions of, of counseling. And, and she actually never had the conversation. She just slid on an envelope under my door um, after a couple of weeks after we had gone through all this stuff because we had had a pretty tough year with, we had actually had a pet player brother commit suicide and we lost two players parents um and she slipped that under my door and, and sometimes like we talk about doing that actionable step or just that little thing like sean you said you you don't know what it means when someone when you say something to someone or do something for someone and like her little push to say hey remember you have you have someone you could talk to like that was all it took for me to help myself and then once i was able to help myself i was able to help our players continue to move forward through it so but I do think I think every athletic department can do better. I think the NCAA can do better. Um, I just think I it's a weird correlation to draw to, but I, uh, and it's way it was way before my time. But um, and it's not the same. But I was as look in the slightest. But you, if you know anything about college basketball, Len Bias passed away from the use of, of of drugs, and after that, there was this big uproar to to fix the, try and fix the drug problem in. Unfortunately, we've had a lot of, it's not just Katie, it's been other student athletes who this has happened to and other college. And it's like, how many, like one is too many, like how many more is it going to take? Yeah. And we start doing actionable things, not just at our little level, but at the bigger level. So, but I, I, I think it's good that if we can talk about it as coaches, that's the big first step and, and really being open about 
our our problems, but also being someone who is a non-judgmental person in our players' lives. Well, I think too, if you look at it as in, you know, you kind of look at it, let's take it from like a club standpoint. You know, sometimes a new person comes in that's running the club and, you know, the big things that they want to do, they'll start with that like youngest group and say, okay, hey, we're going to do all this stuff with this group and then do it with every group after that. You know, I think especially for the younger coaches, you know, having those younger coaches as in like with working with younger players, you know, having those early conversations, um, you know, I, I, I admit like that, that's something that we talk with, with my daughter about, um, you know, to where, you know, she's getting down about something and we tell her like, Hey, like, it's okay to talk to somebody and, you know, allow those motions to come out and just make sure that you're talking to somebody. I think the, the more and more that we put that emphasis, uh, on these younger players, um, you know, it's, it's going to come to a point where, you know, we're going to be able to have more of these conversations where kids going to be, be able to be okay to walk up to you and say, Hey, I, I'm just not doing all right. Um, but, you know, I think too, as, as coaches, you know, sometimes you never, you never think about the signs that you may see, uh, you know, and just kind of speaking about, you know, Katie Meyer, you know, the thing too, with me is like, when I hear something like that, you know, I, I instantly go to social media, I'm looking at their pages, I'm just trying to find something, um, you know, just to try to make sense of it all. And, you know, I, I did find on her TikTok, um, she was talking about, she typically goes through and does like what a day in her life looks like every day. And there was one where she made the comment, uh, I believe it was last month, and she said, you know, here's where I go for a walk to, to walk away from my demons. And that's the only, like, segment in all of her videos where she has said something along, you know, lines of like that. And it just kind of got to make me thinking, like, you know, was that something that maybe stood out to her teammates? Where they're like, hey, like, what's this mean? Or, you know, just there's, there's signs sometimes that you just don't see because um, you're not looking for them that, you know, can definitely um, open your eyes to that. But Jeremy, that was a, that was a very heavy uh, and good question to, to start off with for sure. But I, I do think that we all kind of agree that, you know, as coaches, we're not fully equipped um, with all the information uh, talking about mental health, but it's definitely something that uh, we definitely need to be doing uh, because, I mean, let's, let's face it, because with social media, you know, it, it, to be these kids right now, I, ca I can't even imagine it. You know, thinking about, you know, college basketball, being an 18-year-old kid who's the star player and, you know, you miss the game-winning shot or you have a bad performance and the thought of all these – I don't even want to, like, acknowledge them as humans that can just get on with their thumbs and say the most heinous things to an, a freaking 18-year-old. Um, you know, on top of the fact of a professional female player, all the stuff that they're getting, the hate that they can get from, uh, you know – people who are getting on and, and saying whatever they're like, I just, I can't fathom what it would be like uh, to, to be in that. But yeah, Jeremy, that's, that was a, a great one to, to, uh, to start off with. Um, highly recommend book. What made Maddie run? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I know we got some high school uh, coaches in here. Um, you know, kind of what, what's going on with, with you all with your high school game. Is there stuff about, you know, getting your kids ready for, uh, for college or just kind of what some, some trends that you're noticing that you're, you're wondering about, uh, when it when it comes to the game, or even in coaching, that's that as well. Whether you want to put it in the chat or if you want to pop on, I like hearing people's voices. So while you're thinking of a question, because I know everybody's thinking of one, um, Nick, for you, what is kind of something? Um, you know, training session wise that, that you're seeing, whether it's in your own sessions or like when people are posting their own, that kind of has like something that makes you think like, man, like I, I kind of want to expand on this a little bit more. Maybe it's a way you're delivering a session. 
Oh man, that's a good question. You should have prepared me with this one. I, don't, um, I, I, I never have good questions, so that was the um, first one. I don't. I think it's been interesting recently, um, just to see how the game is evolving again. So maybe not necessarily a session. I feel like, and maybe other coaches can speak to this, but it's been very interesting to me watching a lot of soccer, both at the college level, professional level, and even a little bit the high school level. Like how a lot of teams are going back to two forward systems, and so. That's definitely been something that we I've done a lot of research on lately because we've been a four three three since forever because it was the popular thing to do I guess and I didn't. I don't, have I don't any. mind showing everybody, but as Nick is talking about this, I always try to like hide what's on my chalkboard or my not my chalkboard, my dry erase board. But we're trying to do the uh, the two as well. Trying to go back, trying to go back to that. <laughs> no, it's interesting. I, I don't know soccer. Is, I, I think that's the cool thing about soccer is like how it tends to go in cycles. You know, like right, like in the early. Like pretty much all through like 2000 to 2010, it was very, very popular to be in a 4-4-2. Like Italy won the World Cup with that. It was very popular in England to have like the wide players going, uh, like the Beckhams and stuff coming in and swinging gigs. Um, and so I think it's been very interesting because then like it changed when uh, Spain started playing with like a nine and and then that really, like they had that crazy run of like 40 wins in a row. And so that became really popular for a little bit. But then I've been watching, we played against, I bet, uh, half our games this year, we played against a four-four-two. This year, a four-four-two diamond or a four-one-three-two, whatever you want to call it. And so, I think that's been interesting. So, a lot of my stuff recently has been that, just because it's very interesting to see at the college level. I don't know how many solo forwards are able to be effective nowadays. If you don't have wingers that can go in and get you goals and and create, I think it's it's difficult. So, we're we're debating going next year into a four-four-two because. Uh, we uh, do this, so Greg, uh, don't tell Mike that yet, though. Um, uh, we're, we're still we're still working on it. Here's, so. here's the thing. Here's the thing about our our podcast, and I've said this everywhere Nick has been. If you coach against Nick, literally listen to our show because he's going to tell you what they're doing. Yeah, like, like you don't even need a, a scout like to watch their games because he's going to tell you the week before uh, on our show what 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 they're doing. More, more, more often than not, it's uh, it's one of those things where I, whether a team can prepare for us or not, or whether our team wins that day, I don't think has anything to do with like what the other team's doing. If like we do what we want to do well, like we'll do, we'll be fine. And if we don't do what we want to do well, we we're gonna we're gonna suck. So I think it's been uh, yeah. But like Sean said, if you ever are playing against us, just come to the week. Like we're playing you on Saturday. Listen to the show on Thursday, and I'll probably tell you exactly what we worked on in practice that week and how we're going to. Sometimes try to- it gives the lineup. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah, no. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that that's like going back to your question. I think that's been very cool is just see how soccer is kind of re-evolving again, which has been a lot of fun. Um, and so that's kind of been where my focus has been recently is trying to figure out how I can not be left behind as the sport's evolving. Nick, Nick will, will kind of notice a little bit. And if Don down there is who I think it is, something I want to kind of ask coaches, um, when it comes to like coaching education, and just kind of like things for coaches, whether it's it's education or it's professional development or things along those lines. What are things that you believe is missing, um, you know, when it comes to kind of a grander scale of like information and stuff that is needed for coaches? You know, we kind of mentioned, uh, you know, Joe kind of mentioned about, you know, getting more information, more education uh, on mental health. What are some things that as coaches you feel like, um, whether it's state associations or national associations or you like your own local clubs, uh, could do could be doing more uh, to to help you uh, with with coaching. And your and your answers are totally safe with us. 
Well, I, I think like to answer your question, Sean, I think this stuff has become a lot more popular uh, since COVID. Like I don't think anyone even knew who Zoom, like what Zoom was before COVID. And so I think having a lot of free options for education is really, really good. I think the biggest barrier to entry for most coaches with coaching education is money. Because we all know, like, when you're first getting started in coaching, like, you don't make any money. Like, I think most of us probably had our first job where we were. Or if you're, or if you're 20 years in, you're still not making it. Yeah, no, that's why you marry up. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that's been the biggest barrier for most people is because you start coaching and it's, it's like the conundrum that everyone has right now where it's like, you need a master's degree to get the job right now, but it's also like the, jo the, the job pays like entry level. So you're paying this crap ton of money to get this job, but you like to get the education for this job. And then the job doesn't pay you enough to even justify that education. I feel like that's the issue with coaching right now is to get all your different licenses. It costs a lot of money, but the jobs you, you need to get with those don't pay a lot of money. And so I think that's been the difficult thing for most people is trying to figure out that stuff. So I think having options like this that are more accessible and are free, like I think that's some of the best things that people can do in terms of coaching education. See, Joe popped in and said, coaching education on how to utilize video properly, even at the youth level. We see so many clubs, high schools with VO, Trace, and cameras. They have been great for highlights, but I think they could be even could be used even more in depth. Absolutely. And it takes really smart people to figure that out. I'm just like, all right, can I plug something in? And it just does everything for me. Um, that That's for sure. I, and I know, Jeremy, I know you're kind of, you're teaching classes at this moment in time, um, but I, I don't know if you have the ability to chat. Just kind of you from the state association level, what would you kind of like to see more for coaches uh, done for you on the national level for your state if, if you're able to pop on? Yeah. Um, so I think the uh, we were we kind of been talking about this, right? I think the the grassroots licenses are great for the coaches that don't come from a soccer background that need a lot of help to just kind of set up an environment where the kids can play and just learn from playing, right? Mm -hmm. But we get so many coaches who are beyond that, trying to muddle through some of those. So I really think there needs to be consideration for both, right? Because our country is so diverse. Um, so, I mean, from a federation standpoint, it'd be great if we had the option of the e-license that used to be or the option of the grassroots license because those are two different coaches, right? And even we were talking, um, me and the other instructor, Will Montgomery here, we were talking um, earlier today just about the fact that, like in the state of Nebraska, we've got a, a huge population of of parent coaches that did play soccer specifically in some of our um, diverse communities where soccer is the number one sport for those communities. And so it's not an issue for them of what, what is soccer or getting out of the way of, of running, but it's how to teach what they know or how to communicate what they know well to the, the next generation without just getting mad at them for not doing it right. Right. And, but, the pendulum just swings so much in coaching education. It goes one side and then goes the other side. And so it, it's hard to, there's no flexibility to, to give communities what they need. You just have to give them what the Federation gives you. Right. And, and I mean, you don't have to, but people want that license. Cause like Nick mentioned, people want pay raises. They want to, you know, and even though, like you said, it's not great, but it's an extra couple hundred dollars for coaching a team this year or the next year and, you know, things like that. So some people are pursuing that. 
And so they want to go the licensed pathway. And that's why, you know, I think United soccer coaches is a great pathway of education, but so many people overlook it because it doesn't equate to a pay raise in their club, or it doesn't meet the qualification to be in the, the region league or whatever some States have for their state leagues. Right. Um, and that's why I think things like this, like the week of education, Iowa's symposium, uh, the United soccer coaches national convention, those are such valuable things because you can go get what you need. But again, the cost of going to the, the national convention is, is enormous. Right. And that's why I'm so appreciative that Nebraska state soccer and, and the sponsors kick it forward can allow us to do this for free. And it's in a mode that's more available to people, but it, it's limited. And the Federation doesn't do anything like this for us. Um, but they would probably have the most resources or the, the coaches and the staff that would probably maybe help the most because uh, I'm, I'm one person doing this for our state. Uh, it'd be great to have resources to be able to do it for, for more people. Do you think, because you brought me United Soccer Coaches like with their licensing, I, I remember the last time I took a course was the uh, Advanced National Diploma. And I remember my teacher, uh, Doug Williamson, who's a uh, good, good pal of mine, um, as we like to say, friend of the show. <laughs> And um, he had mentioned, he said, you know, a lot of people are trying to figure out the differences between the two. And he said, you know, the United Soccer Coaches is the driver's ed. It's the place where you're learning how to drive. Um, and, you, you know, you're going to get the opportunity to, to ride in the car with the teacher and whatnot. But then when you take the USSF courses, like, that's the actual test. Like, that's when you're going to figure out if you get your license or not. Do you think there's ever a way that, you know, obviously it, 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 it's probably way beyond you and I's pay grade, way beyond mine. Um, that, you know, there's something that United Soccer Coaches could do that I don't know if I, I could say like the equivalent of something at the U.S. level, but is, you know, do you think there's probably more, I know that like diplomas or some type of like licensing that they could do that could at some point be like an equivalent? I mean, that, that was the great thing about how it used to be set up was you had the option to take one or the other and the yeah. other was equivalent to one prior, right? Yeah. And so like, I had to remember that. <laughs> yeah, I had assistant coaches back in the day that, you know, I was helping teach a, a diploma. I would take them along with me on that diploma, or I was helping to teach a license. I would take them along with me on that license, and then it didn't really matter because then they could usually transfer over to the other one. Um, obviously, the, the biggest issue is the disparity in hours now between the licenses and the diplomas, which it's a fair argument. It doesn't allow for for that to just kind of go back and forth. Um, so I do know that there's, there's things in the works for the Federation. Um, things are going to be happening soon that they're going to start, you know, looking at bringing back um, continuing education and stuff like that, which is what a lot of coaches used um, the old NSCAA and uh, those diplomas used to use them as continuing education for your Federation licenses, which was fair. And you used to get that for the, the convention too, right? Um, where you could attend the convention and start getting your CEUs. I think we're headed back in that direction um, yeah. so that coaches can have some staying relevance and showing some desire to continue learning. Um, I wish. Yeah, it'd be great. And like you said, uh, not conversations that I'm a part of in any means, and nobody's right. ever asking my opinion on those things, um, except for you on this uh, small uh, week of education in Nebraska, right? But uh, Maybe one day we can be amazing. that, Jeremy. Maybe one day we can change that. Yeah. 
Nick, you got anything you've been, I can see you storming your brain over there. No, just, uh, just enjoying. Um, no, but like, I, like I were kind of closing up on this, but anyone else have anything else that they want to get out there for the good of the cause? And feel free. I need a recorded audio of somebody going, these guys stink and I will use it for our show. <laughs> but yeah, any questions that you all have, whether it's about our show, Twitter chat, recruiting, soccer, we like to talk about that soccer. That's why we're all uh -huh. here, right? I have one. Um, so I coach three, right? I coach Iowa Western. I coach a high school boys team and an 07 girls team. So kind of with the, with the college, uh, we have a lot of turnover and kind of something right now that's happening is just we're our, our senior or not our seniors, our sophomores that were leaders had graduated that semester. And so we're kind of in that transitional phase of trying to find one, find new ones. And we're kind of, it's, kind of going between our team right now um and then for the high school i just graduated 13 seniors last year and so Ooh. i only have four seniors this year and so i'm really looking for underclassmen to step up and we're about to start on the 14th with that one so kind of just trying to figure out my leaders there um and then for my 07 girls they're kind of in that trap year where they're either eighth grade or freshman and so my freshman left and my um now we took some some girls down to kind of make a team for there and we've had a couple trainings this week and it's just been like you could tell my girls aren't really gelling yet with the the four girls that came down and so i think my biggest thing is how um how do you kind of push those leaders or define leaders or like what is something that you guys do um, I know that with you guys being at four-year schools, you kind of develop those leaders as you go. But like when you lose like a big leader, like I think we lost, we lost big leaders on, on all of them. Um, how do you go about finding those and, or like guiding uh, said players to, to take those leadership roles? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I was joking to people like I, my first coaching job, actually, um, I, was the assistant coach at a team in Iowa that actually won state when I was an assistant. And we graduated nine of the 11 starters. And I think it was like 10 of the 14 people that got in the state championship game. So I started my coaching career the next year as a head coach. I think we went 0-4 and like scored zero goals and conceded like 25. So like I started in like the worst way you could ever start a coaching it career. It could have been worse though. It could have. Like they could have scored 40 and we could right. have scored zero, I guess. Um but I think with that, I like it, it was kind of hard in the beginning of the year because sometimes it just you got to take some licks. And but I think what we started learning through that process, and it might not be something that happens day one of preseason, but like I think when whether you're going through good times or bad times, I think you're going to start seeing who steps up into those roles. And so I think it, especially when you're don't have a ton of senior leaders and stuff like that, I I, I think the best advice I heard about captains was from Becky Burley one time where they don't pick captains the same way every single year. So like some years they've had one captain, some years they've had four, some years they've had like just a leadership committee that had 10. And so I think the the nice thing is each team doesn't have a one size fits all for what leadership looks like. And so I think for you personally, you, you're going to be able to kind of read the team and figure out like, all right, who are they following? Who like in drills and practice do like, kind of inspires other people and not feel like you have to be constri like constricted to having one leader or having four leaders or whatever. I think you, you can kind of just pick the best way that works out for you. Because I know coaches that have done leadership councils and that worked better than having captains. Um, 
And so I think just finding ways to like, just see, see how it comes out and don't feel like you have to pick right away and don't feel that you have to do something that's traditional in order to find it. Cause you're going to have a different, everyone has a different route to finding that. I think you can, you can figure out a way to make the cream rise to the top. Uh, you know, I've been pretty lucky at Brescia. Uh, this is my second year here. And, um, you know, when I first got here, we did the leadership council, but we still had captains. And one of the things was I wanted to give everyone a chance to be a leader somehow, some way. And so if I can put a kid in a group uh, that benefits their personality. So like one of our, our leadership um, councils is academics. So basically any of our education majors or people who are really good at tutoring, like that's a, that's a council that they would want to go to. And, you know, those councils meet, uh, you know, and kind of discuss things. And as a group, you know, anything that's going on, they'll, they'll bring up. And I think from there, like, you can see, like, which, which of your leaders will kind of rise. And I got really lucky this year that when we, uh, we, we had the players vote for captains, uh, they picked a senior and a freshman. And the super cool thing was that senior took that freshman completely under their wing and still is doing it to this day um, to where anything's going on. You know, if, if she hears or something, she'll send her text back, hey, you know, here's how I would kind of go about this. Or, you know, you'll want to know this for the future of references and things like that. So I think, you know, especially like at a school like yours, you know, if you can identify one of those new players pretty early on and, you know, just kind of have that senior leader that, uh, you know, does, does the right things and does things the way that, you know, you would want your leaders to do, just have them find one of those, those first-year players and just take them under their wing and just kind of show them, hey, you know, this is going to be your team one day. Uh, and, you know, this is kind of how to do things. And, you know, we got pretty lucky that um, we, we had a, a graduating player that kind of wrote out a uh, – uh, a to-do list, you know, for the following year's uh, captains of like, hey, like, you got to make sure to do this, make sure to do that. Uh, any of us who are married know what, what those things are like. Um, you know, so I, I think there's there's a definitely way to kind of groom uh, your, your leaders. And like I said, just kind of identifying them. And because ultimately at the end of the day, you have to define what the leader for your program is, what you want that leader to look like. And if there's somebody who, um, and this is typical of Nick, he kind of walks up in a way when I start going on rants. Um, but, you know, you can define what that leader is and find someone who, who, you know, maybe is close to that and somebody that you can work with. And then, again, you know, when they become a senior, they find somebody just like them as a freshman or you find somebody uh, that they can they can continue, um, you know, pushing that on of like, hey, you're going to know how to do this. You want to make sure that the team's doing this and whatnot and, and keeping that communication open. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, it really hurt when we lost our season to COVID, like they canceled yeah. all spring sports here in Iowa. And like, then I had last year where essentially all of my seniors were my players, right? However, I am fortunate this year that I do have a large freshman class. I've had, I have 20 that have signed up and hopefully all 20 come out. But like, so like my freshmen are definitely going to play a big part and they're definitely, it's their, it's their team for the future. So like, and I have, I have the, the one senior that I think was going to play a really, really big part this year. Like he's stepping up, like he's he's already taken a couple of freshmen under the wing. It's just like, do I think my, my biggest thing as a coach is like, can he motivate everyone else to be able to follow him? I mean, he's a good player, he's a great player, but it's the can is he going to be able to have kind of that that weight just because you know he's it's one against fifty four that we have. So and that, I think, that's tough because there's there's always the there's always the kid that you're like, all right, this is the leader but there can be something about them that just turns everybody off yeah. and you're like, and you can, you can force feed it and force feed it and force feed it. Um, and it just, it just doesn't click. And that's where maybe, 
you know, I, I really liked that this year with our two captains, we had one captain who was the vocal person and the other person was the, they were vocal with their actions. Um, and it just, they balance really well, almost like a, you know, like a center back pairing. You've got the one who's really quick and kind of sits back and cleans up, uh, you know, for the other one. And I think captains kind of have to be that same way. You can, you can balance out. Um, yeah, that's why, I, that's why I like more than one, because you can find the different qualities that each person brings to that leadership um, and use that one specific quality where, you know, they may lack in this other department, but this other person's really, really good at that. Um, so just kind of things to, to keep your eye on, you know, when, when you're, when you're uh, establishing um, those positions with your leadership. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. Especially with all three, like, it's just, I think, I think especially with my club, like it's, it's going to be very, very uh, poignant because just bringing all these different girls in and together and especially just for one season um, have someone that be able to play both sides of the, the, the team that we had and then the, the girls that are coming in. I think that's going to be huge for us. And then, yeah, I think it's kind of just to sit and wait for, for the high school team. And then I think for the college, it's just lots of turnover as it is just because we're a two year institution. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I think we just, you got to make sure that we have that freshman that would, that carries on to next year. And then you just keep finding them and, and grooming them as we go. So I appreciate the feedback. No problem, man. And then especially anything like that type of like college stuff. Like I just, and this is for everybody. I mean, I put Nick and I's Twitter accounts in there. Uh, we're always a, a DM away. Um, and, uh, you know, especially like college coaches or high school, higher uh, age club coaches, like don't hesitate to reach out to us. We definitely want to help out however we can. Yeah. I saw your waffle post this morning. So Yo, <laughs> okay. First of all, the waffles are so good. Second of all, the radio station in our school cafeteria is ridiculous. So I don't know if you can really hear the music in the background, but it was, it was it, it just faint. okay. So it was it was uh, Jay Z H to the Izzo. And I was just like <laughs> enjoying my chocolate chip waffle and chocolate milk, just vibing out to that song, and was like, I love this place. That song <laughs> was the best and worst thing to come out for me in junior high with my last name. <laughs> yes, R to the Izzo, <laughs> love it, absolutely love it. Crystal, you didn't think we were going to be this fun, did you? Of course I knew you were going to be this fun. <laughs> the fastest hour we've had all week. <laughs> well, and time, time flies. Hopefully we, uh, we, we got everybody pre-gamed and warmed up for the actual good speakers uh, for the rest of the day. Um, but uh, no, again, you know, thanks to Jeremy and everybody at uh, Nebraska State Soccer. We truly appreciate uh, you guys having us on. We're very thankful uh, and honored that for whatever reason, you guys have us come and, and speak for the last couple of years and hopefully we don't stink too much and we'll uh you know we, we would love to come back next year and do this again i know i don't last year nick and i did make the comment like we want to actually come to nebraska i've never been there so like i actually want to come to nebraska and just like come on out, out. <laughs> well we'll show you a good time oh and i'm, I'm as they say. without a doubt i'm very sure that could happen awesome well nick sean thank you so much for coming out again year two we'll make it three for three next time 